I have to Facebook Live it. Prepared, go live. Right. right here. Good morning, Good morning, How's your uh? So I don't have any things on it. So the the um when you shouldn't show things when the show is good morning church. Thank you for saying good morning back. Um, I know that some of you have made it in here. Thank you. If you hear my voice and you're on the lobby, if you want to flow in here, that'd be awesome. And everyone online, hi. <laughs> if you want to stand and join me in worship, that'd be awesome.
says you are good right and the bridge says you're never gonna let me down and like I'm not gonna lie to you these last two weeks have just felt like a mess and so that's you know it was, it was a lot of conviction with like can I really sing this do I feel good about singing this but I think in a lot of the moments that were really hard these last couple weeks um, it's one of those things where it's like you know has God failed me does it suck right now? Yeah. But is it going to be okay? Probably. And so, you know, sometimes just clinging on to knowing that the Lord is good. No matter what. No matter what's happening. Um, even if things aren't going the way that you want them to. You know, God knows exactly what he's doing. And, you know, his plans are way better than the ones that we think are going to be awesome. And so, um, yeah. Sing this song. The king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from. Oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life. Oh, he is my song. Cause you
Thank you, Hannah. So, good morning, church. Good to see everybody here. Uh, this is our time we sometimes call testimonies. Sometimes we call God sightings. It's a time for us to, to share the stories of what God's doing and build up each other's faith as we share these stories. So, anybody got a testimony of God sighting you want to share? Okay, Jesse. I just wanted to, I wanted to share how important it is uh, for you to know that God loves you and know how good he is because when the devil lies to you and tells you that God's not doing his best for you or somebody else is trying to hurt you, you need to be able to rest in the fact that God is in control and he does love you and he is good. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Solid word. Solid word. Anybody else? In the back, down the sides, front. <laughs> what? Is that is that Zoom or is that you? <laughs> All right. Hello, I'm Nate, and. Uh, it's been a crazy couple last week, uh, last three weeks. We're supposed to go on vacation and enjoy some rest. And about 36 hours into the trip, I got hit with a kidney stone that took me to the Orlando ER, which I don't suggest to anyone. Nope, not Disney themed. Probably, I'll move on. So I got sent back to the resort with a you know, canister of Oxy, and they were like, 
if it gets worse, come back and get in line. And it got worse. It got a lot worse. And um, I didn't want to get back in line, so that lets you know how bad the ER was. But uh, apparently, um, over that time, the one stone had become two stones, and the second stone had uh, perforated my kidney. And uh, so Thursday morning of that week, Tina uh, took me through the airport in a wheelchair and got me on the plane. And I did fly with a kidney stone, with two active kidney stones, which I found out is illegal if you are an aviator employee. So that's good to know if I get my pilot's license. Um, came back, went to urgent care. The guy kind of like laughed at me and was like, you have to go to the ER. And I was like, okay. So I was trying to avoid that. And so then went to the ER and uh, was admitted. And they found you know, kidney stones. Um, but then when they went in, they found the perforation in my kidney because uh, fluid was collecting in my body and we didn't know where it was coming from. And while they were in there, they found a tumor in my bladder. And so after the procedure, he said, um, no, we, we left the stones in. We're going to go back and get those later. Uh, but we put a stint in, so that will relieve the pain and the pressure. Um, but it was so exciting. He said, I found a tumor. And I was like, oh, that doesn't sound exciting to me. And uh, he said, but I cut it out. So it's, it's gone, it's out, but we'll test it and let you know how it goes. And so I waited for uh, like five days to get those results with a lot of anxiety. And, and like everyone else, I got those results in an email with uh, red um, exclamation points telling me that I had cancer. And so we processed that for a while and uh, ended up getting some really good counsel from my primary care physician and then meeting with the urologists and um, found a lot of hopefulness from that conversation. Um, so I have like a quarterly uh, surveillance that I'm on for the next two years. And I think if you go back into the archives of the Genesis uh, podcast, I gave a sermon once uh, called Everything Happens for a Reason. And that was me uh, absolutely debunking that statement. I think it's a horrible statement. Um, I think it's really bad theology. But the other side of that is you have your life experience. And so this life experience is that had I not received these kidney stones, had they not perforated my kidney, they wouldn't have been in me with a camera to see one cancerous tumor. And the urologist said, Nate, we don't ever find one of these. He said, these grow in and they shut down your kidney. And that's when people show up to us because they can no longer uh, urinate. And he was like, we never find one. 
and he his he was saying he's like There's, this never happens he so his statement to me was like this is the best case scenario of a best safe, best case scenario of getting cancer and i was like all right i'll take that so i still don't know that everything happens for a reason but i am certainly grateful and never thought i would ever be grateful for a kidney stone <laughs> so that's my testimony that god has carried us has provided for us uh, my statement was that i have felt seen i felt safe i felt supported i felt surrounded and that continues um, to this day and and i do give glory to god for sustaining us and sustaining me so thank you for being a part of that Amen. so could we have a few people gather around let's pray for our brother uh nate uh some of you want to come and lay hands on him here or uh, just if you want to just raise your hand and send the blessing this way oh lord jesus we thank you for this brother nate we thank you for how you have moved and touched us through him in so many ways so many countless ways and uh and you've taught us you've helped us to undo some of the negative things that are in our brains and hearts from years gone by and through his teaching and we give thanks for that but we give thanks also that you gave him kidney stones you knew his need before he did or before the doctors did and you found a way where he was ready to go on rides and celebrate and instead he needed he needed some deep help so God, we just pray for the time ahead, God, that, that things would go well, that the treatments would be good, and as they continue to work on those kidney stones, God, that, that everything would come out all right. <laughs> but we, we ask even more for complete healing in his body, God. And we thank you that he knows that you're with him, that you see him, you care for him, you hold him when he needs holding, you lead him when he's ready to move, when you're ready to call him to move. And God, so we just give him to you with thanks that your love is able to do above and beyond what we ask or think in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Okay. Does anybody else have something you want to share before we go i'd just like to share a little brief testimony there's a uh there's a this has been a glorious week for us we've had answer to prayers in all kinds of ways most of which i can't share because it's not my story to tell but uh last uh last sunday we had that wonderful testimony from the brother who had been our guest at the warming center just yeah just a fantastic testimony you know and i've been doing warming center staff stuff uh usually the overnights that's my favorite for years and years even before genesis was here <laughs> and uh we were doing the warming center way back and uh, uh but because of some of my health things i couldn't do the overnight staff and thanks be to god dave brown was listening to the Lord and the Lord woke him up and challenged him to do some 
extra spiritual ministry and care for those who are guests with us. And so we launched two things, the Healing Hands, where we, we uh, massaged and put lotion on people's hands and prayed for them. And uh, I did that, many of you did that. Uh, and then we did communion uh, the last night, that uh, last afternoon that people were here. And, um, and I tell you, I, did, I had the least hours, but I had the most deep spiritual connection I've ever had. And one of the things that was so special was just how many of folks, you know, it's like we'd pray and they wouldn't ask for shelter. They, would, they, they, had, they had all kinds of things, including for other people that they wanted prayer for. And it's like I felt this, you know, brother to brother, brother to sister bonding that was so beautiful and so powerful. And then when we did communion, uh, Sharon and I led the communion service, and um, and uh, there weren't a lot of guests who participated, but there was one woman who was a guest. And as I gave the communion and looked in her eyes, you know, it's like we were both in the presence of Jesus, and it was so special, so special. So I just want to testify that the Lord was among us, doing some great things, and uh, thanks be to God. Um, before I sing the last song, I have a testimony, which is exciting. I did say this last two weeks were hard, and they are. Like, Taylor can attest, they've been really, really just weird weeks. It's like, when it rains, it pours, right? It just keeps pouring. And I texted my cousin, and he said, no, you're in the middle of monsoon season. And I said, thanks. That's good. Um, but even then, it's like, you know, God is still good. And um, I just want to say that, like, I'm really, really thankful for this church. I have been here for a little over a year now, um, and it has been a place that I have feel, felt seen and loved um, and appreciated. And for me to be even leading worship is a huge thing for me. Um, just being in a ministry that I knew that if I were to come out or whatever, I would be pushed out. And so for me to be safe and loved here has been really awesome. And there are a lot of really, really awesome people that love Taylor and I here, um, which has been really cool. We found some of the people that we have called and some of the hardest things that we've had in this last year. Um, people that have held me when I have cried just so hard, just really ugly crying, and people to celebrate with. And so I just wanna say that I'm, I'm super thankful for this church. Um, Taylor and I are both thankful for this church that you allow us to be in leadership, that you allow us to be loved. She gets to be the baby whisperer and lead lead discussion groups, but um, I just wanted to tell you guys that we're engaged. <laughs> we just want to share that with you. We love you guys, so there are a lot of people here that we wanted to tell at the same time. But if you want to stand with me, <laughs> we have one more song.
You can have a seat. There we go. Good morning. Happy Super Sunday to everyone. All right, all right. Uh, Nate and I were talking about this before, before service. I read an article, I think he read the same one today. It talked about how uh, Super Bowl Sunday is like the most unifying day in, in America, that we, we don't really have sort of cultural events very much anymore where everyone is doing the same thing at the same time. And the Super Bowl is about one of the only things left in American society where everyone's kind of getting together to do that. Whether, you know, yesterday my daughter, who's 16, said to me, oh, yeah, tomorrow's Super Bowl Sunday. And I was, I was like, you're, like, she doesn't watch football. She doesn't really enjoy football. And I was like, yeah. She said, oh, I can't wait. I was like, really? She said, yeah. Rihanna and all the commercials? Um, and I was like, well, yeah, I guess everyone, maybe not everyone is Philly or KC. Some people are Team Rihanna, I guess. Okay, so either way, enjoy today, have fun with it, right? And, uh, and, and, and know that's a day when we get to all sort of get together and have some fun, uh, even if we're not major football fans. But my name is Bob, and I'm here to do announcements. We don't have a ton of them today, but I want to mention a few things. One, um, Especially if you're new, please, you know, uh, you've probably seen in the booth here, we have these connection cards. We also have them digitally as well. So you can go on the website, fill out a digital connection card. If you want to go old school and use pen and paper, um, you can fill one of these out here. Put it, there's a, a table out in the, the foyer behind uh, the, the room here that you can, you can put your card. So place that there. Um, also, if you're new, you can text uh, new to Genesis, one word, uh, to uh, 94,000, 94,000 uh, as well. Um, also, the uh, Genesis will be having an Ash Wednesday service, February 22nd uh, at 6.30 p.m. Um, so... Obviously, as, as you know, we're coming to Lenten season here. Ash Wednesday is the start of Lent. And so um, Genesis will be having a church service that day. Come out and enjoy it on that Wednesday. I was thinking about it. Even if the start of Lent isn't enough motivation for you, I thought of a few other reasons that might be good to go to Ash Wednesday service. One is you can pray for forgiveness for your gluttony and the punchkis the day before. And so you can have those prayers. Plus, there are very... A few opportunities where it's socially acceptable to walk around with a dirty face. And so Ash Wednesday gives you that opportunity as well. So um, so with that, I'm going to welcome up Ben, who's going to talk about uh, elders. Thanks, Bob. Hi everyone, my name is uh, Benjamin. I'm one of the elders here at Genesis and um, we are in the midst of our elder nomination process. Um, so the elders are um, a important part of our 
uh, church here. Um, they support and provide uh, guidance and counsel to um, all kind of things uh, Genesis related. And in the back, you will see uh, two items. So one is an denomination slip, looks like this. It's kind of small, but just you put um, your name and the person that you are um, nominating. And then second and most important is a, it's not too long. So it's a uh, form that just lists uh, what the qualifications for an elder are. Um, you don't have to be clear before you nominate, um, but this is just kind of just for your reference to know uh, what we're looking for and just kind of some of the basic qualifications for uh, becoming an elder. Um, if you have any questions, you can see um, myself or any of the other uh, elders. Um, they are currently uh, Sandra Guzman, raise your hand, uh, Dan Buttry, um, Nasha Green, Ben Regal, um, myself and Bonnie Backing in the back. Yeah, so um, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to any one of us. Um, but again, uh, the nomination uh, slips and qualifications are in the back uh, right by the um, wooden table. And have a good rest of your Sunday. Thank you, Ben. Um, all right, so yes, as he mentioned, the forms are also in the same, same place I was discussing where you can turn in your green cards. There's also elder nomination slips there if you want to nominate someone. Uh, and with that, I will say release the middle school students and the students going to, uh, to, to class. Uh, and for the rest of you, please, this is your time, to connection time, to turn around and say hello to someone near you and shake hands and, uh, and, and greet each other.
Good morning. What an awesome morning. Good to be here with you. <laughs> so the, uh, this, we have a pattern. The second Sunday, which this is, is one where I try to talk less. <laughs> try the... Uh, because discussion is holy. We learn from each other. That's what the, the, the text always tells us. We, we, we have patterns, and the norm for us is usually we learn from a person giving a speech. But in reality, we learn from each other. That's how we grow. We grow from each other and with the help of every one of us. And so we value that. We think that is, the, that is the emphasis for today. I don't want to invite you. We're in, here in a few minutes. We'll break off. We've got some people helping just to guide some conversations. You can sit and listen. You can just be. You can hear stories. Um, but it's a chance to connect with other people, to put your hands to touch, to, get, to interact with the teachings of Jesus and one another, and to learn from each other. So that's going to happen here in a few minutes. We're in Matthew chapter 5, and I'm going to jump in because as you're going to see, this text is like messy and fun and controversial and just all over the place, and so we want to get into this. So it's in Matthew 5. The, the reading today is from Matthew 5, 21 to 32, but I have the scripture. I'm going to just throw verse 20 up there because it's a bit of context. It's, it's building right upon, if you were here last week, this is a famous sermon called the Sermon of Mount of Jesus, and that's where we're going to pick it up. And so, Holy Spirit, our teacher, whom Jesus said, I promise, I get you, there's a teacher coming, an advocate, a comforter that you will have that will guide you into all truth. You won't need, because you'll have, you'll have the teacher and you'll learn from one another. So God, come and teach us by your spirit and come and teach us as we sit together and learn from one another. May we be humble, open-handed, um, flexible. May we, may we May we be receptive to what is beautiful and good. So come, Lord, and teach us. Amen. Matthew 5, verse 20. And this, was, this is a context verse right here. Jesus says, But I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So that's Jesus' last line before going into this. Unless your righteousness, unless your justice, unless your way of living surpasses the most religiously elite, you won't enter into my movement. He's not talking about the afterlife. He's talking about the, the messianic movement that was happening right now that was breaking in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus' work. You won't enter this unless your justice, your righteousness surpasses them. So what does that look like? That's what Jesus is going to tell us. What does it look like for that to be true? And this is where Jesus begins to teach. In 21, you have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you're subject to judgment. But I say, if you're even angry with someone, you're subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you're in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. 
So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person. Then come and offer your sacrifice to God. When you're on the way to court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer and you'll be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you have paid the last penny. You have heard the command that says you must not commit adultery. But I say to you, anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your strong hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. You've heard that the law says, law meaning the, the Torah, a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. But I say that a man who divorces his wife unless she has been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. All right, this is going to be fun, right? You ready to discuss? You ready to get in it? All right, I, I, got, I got three things, just, just three concepts, three ideas that I just want to, I want to present. And so the first one is in this teaching of Jesus. It's just an overarching idea. A couple of times it references is hell of like, um, don't call someone an idiot or curse them or you'll be, you'll be thrown to the fires of hell. And um, don't, it's, there's another one, I think it's maybe around adultery. Now that term for hell in here is very specific. I think there was a, there was a language. That word was Gehenna. It was the Valley of Hinnon. And so Gehenna, in that time, that word that Jesus is using is a specific location. And it's the place that they would burn all the refuse in. This was the trash heap. This was the dump inside. There was a valley in Jerusalem where, where your sewage and your refuge and all the things were thrown there and burned. And they kept the fires going because it stunk so badly. So what Jesus is using here, he's using this language of this fire that is always ongoing because it's a trash heap. And there were people, so if you were poor during that time and you couldn't afford a proper burial in a tomb, the, the dead would be taken to the Valley of Gehenna and, and burned. And so it was filled with maggots and bugs and animals. And then there would be people there weeping and gnashing of teeth because they would be mourning their dead at that spot. So this is just a reference to this idea in here that if we get thrown in this teaching, thinking that Jesus is talking about some idea of eternal torment and the fires of ever, I want to say maybe you could, we could suspend that, not, just, not suspending that forever because there are some ideas that are different than this. But in this specific teaching, Jesus is referencing Gehenna, a specific place. And it's kind of saying, hey, don't do this because your life will then fall into the trash heap where the five years continues to burn. It's not a good idea. This is the trash heap of life. Don't go there. So that's one concept just to kind of give you a context behind that term, hell. The second one, and this is the big idea of this whole text that I want to share with you, and it's, and it's a super big idea, and, it, and it's so fluid within um, Judaism, and the idea is about the oneness of God. 
That oneness, the term is achad. Ahad uh, means one. It means alone. It means unity. It means unity and diversity. That, that term is used in the most famous prayer of Judaism called the Shema. The Shema is prayed twice a day by anyone, more or less, if you're Jewish. It's like the Lord's Prayer of Judaism. This is the most essential prayer, and it's found in Deuteronomy, but it's the Shema. And Shema just means listen, because that's how it starts. Uh, the prayer goes, uh, hear, hear, O Israel, the Lord is your God, the Lord is one. Ahad, the Lord is one. And then that teaching goes on to say this, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Where have you heard that? Jesus then said that's the greatest commandment. And the second one, which is like it, is to love your neighbor as yourself. And these two teachings, these two commandments, all of the law and the prophets hang on these. And so I want to share this idea of God, God being one, being a unity, being whole, being complete. Everything hangs on this. Jesus is teaching this text here, and it's about unity and oneness. God is Ahad, meaning God is one. God. Now, we understand God, and Jesus comes along, and it begins to teach us about this oneness. Uh, in Genesis 2, it talks about the oneness between, in creation, God created man and woman, and the two will become one. Aha, there'll be a unity, they'll be together, right? That's what we're going to see in this text, but there's a oneness, there's a unity. Jesus, in Matthew 7, or in, in John 17, when he's getting ready to go to the cross, when he's getting ready to give up his life, he prays. It's one of the most significant prayers in the scriptures. It's one of the longest prayers in the scripture. Jesus prays in John 17. And ironically, the theme that Jesus is praying for the most is Ahad, oneness, unity. Here's just a few lines from this prayer. Now I'm departing this world. They are staying in this world, but I'm coming to you. And Jesus is praying to the Father. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they may be united as we are. So they may be one as we are. Jesus goes on. This is in verse 21. I pray that they will be one, God, just as you and I are. As you are in me, Father, I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. The universe is held together by God, by oneness, by unity. Jesus goes on, verse 22. I've given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. He's praying this for all who are there. I am them. You are in me. May they experience such perfect unity. Ahad that the world may know you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. That's why it's significant. That's what a hot is. It holds the universe together. It's God's love for us all. And it says, you're unified. You're interconnected. This is extremely important. You're one. You're meant to be a whole. Don't sabotage it. Do you get that concept? You don't have to remember the Hebrew word, ahad, uh, but if you want to, you can say it and spit on the person next to you, ahad. But it means oneness. It means a unity. Now, when in, in that prayer, that God is one, but when we understand God, 
Because Jesus said, they, the Father and I are one. So we understand the oneness of Jesus. It's a unity. It's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They do this beautiful dance together in oneness, diversity, and unity. And they welcome us into that love. They say, come and be a part of this. Don't sabotage it. So the big idea, what Jesus is going to teach here, is that concept. Every one of these teachings is about ha being oneness. Don't sabotage it. And what Jesus is doing here is not saying, oh, let me give you a higher standard. He says, let me show you something beautiful. Let me show you the beautiful way the world was created. Let me show what you were made for, union with me and union with one another. This is what everything rests upon. If you're going to carry around the teachings of Jesus, he would say it could be, it'd be summed up in these. Love, love God. Be one with God. Be one with each other. Be unified together. That's the big idea. So let me take that oneness into this story just for a second, into these teachings. Let's just hold that idea of being unified in this together. So I'm um, hot. It's, it's oneness. It's unity within diversity, meaning there's not, it's not all about unity and uniformity. They're all alike. No, it's diversity and unity. It's like the human body. But there's unity with God and there's unity with others. If God is a hod, which God is, and we're made in the image of God, we are two. We are one. A hod holds. A hod is the force that holds the universe together. This is what Colossians says. It says, Jesus, he made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities of the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before everything else, and he holds all creation together. It's held together by God, who is God, one. Oneness holds everything together. You cannot come against the force, this oneness, that holds the universe together and not be torn apart yourself. Gossip, slander, murder, hatred, adultery, they sabotage unity. They sabotage oneness. Richard Rohr um, has this statement, says, divine union, divine union, being one with God, right? This union with the creator of the universe. Not private perfection is the goal of all religion. The goal of all religion is divine union. And what Jesus was coming and teaching, he says, the way the Father loves me, the Father loves you, you're one in me. There's a oneness, you are forgiven. Have union with me, have union with each other. It's available through my love, through an invitation. So this text begins, Jesus is teaching this big idea. So you've heard it said, don't murder. Do you understand how murder hurts unity. Yeah, <laughs> right? It destroys. The challenge is that most of us haven't murdered anyone. Not a challenge, but it's a good thing. I mean, there's, there's a limit to people getting murdered at some level. So murder is never a good thing. It always destroys hot. It destroys unity. It destroys oneness. It undermines relationships. It's terrible. But Jesus says, well, so does hatred. It does the same thing. Hatred destroys your unity. When you hate each other and you speak against that, right, it destroys it. And he goes on, but you know what also does? When you look at a person, you say, you idiot, you fool. It breaks your wantonness. When you speak words against someone else 
and you, and you tell them a story about their past or who they are, it destroys the unity that they have. So that's what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying it all distorts our oneness. So let's not try to sabotage jihad. And then he goes into like, because it, 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 it's going to lead your life to the trash heap and the lives of others to the trash heap. So next then Jesus jumps not only then from, from murder, but then he goes into there about adultery. And we can be like, okay, you guys see how adultery destroys oneness and unity within a committed covenantal language, uh, relationship? Did you see how that would destroy your oneness of coming together? And so I was like, yeah, we, we get that. This, this hurts when you break a covenant and you go after another, when you promise to pursue one. We can see how that hurts the relationship. It, it sabotages God. But yet Jesus goes on and says, He's not trying to raise a standard. He says, but do you see how lust does that? And so the idea of a hot is not just between a covenantal relationship between two partners. A hot is between all of humanity. And it says, if you lust after another person, if you're viewing them as an object and not as a human, and you're pulling into their mind just for your own pursuit and your own pleasure and your own joy and your own distortion, that disrupts, that sabotages a that we have between each other. Lust does. And so, and then Jesus goes on just to kind of just even to help us to be like, oh, let me, he's trying to convince and to motivate. And he's saying, this is so serious about how much it hurts our oneness. That if you know there's some things that are causing it, right? Gouge out your eye, cut off your hand, even your good hand, your, your dominant hand, that would be the one. Now, we all know, okay, no, maybe you don't. Jesus is, um, this is hyperbole. This is, um, this is an exaggeration. Jesus is not encouraging self-mutilation. This is not what discipleship looks like. It's not self-mutilation by any means. No one is meant to do this. This is not meant to be taken literally. It's a figurative language to say, hey, do you understand um, what kind of disruption and brokenness would be called if your dominant hand was cut off? I just want you to realize and to know that that is the kind of disruption that is caused um, within oneness and unity when we lust after one another. So make every effort be serious about this because this sabotages relationships. So gouge out your eye, cut off your hand, cancel subscriptions, don't have Facebook, don't have, like what, whatever it might be that's causing it to kind of hold, like whatever you, would, whatever you would want to do in order for that not to be the driving force around you. Is this not a more beautiful way? Think we've been guilted or shamed? Just say, no, here's the way. Oneness. It's available. Don't go this way. Don't sabotage our oneness. Jesus is talking about all sorts of relationships. Then Jesus gets into divorce and remarriage. Now, he's talking about a hod, right? We can see how this would play out. If it's, if it's oneness, what about divorce? And, and in essence, Jesus is saying, hey, this isn't good. Right? We, we really shouldn't get divorced. This, this isn't the way. But there's, there's room and there's reasons for it. Unfaithfulness, 
And then he goes on. So, so that, can you see how ahad is the force, the big idea behind all these teachings? For the last little bit, I just want to talk about divorce and remarriage just for a second before we break into our discussion groups. Because this is the one that's really interesting. If we kind of read it, we can kind of look at it and be like, what is Jesus saying here? I mean, because it kind of says that if you marry a woman who's been divorced, you're, you're, she's then committing adultery. If you're trying to read it and say, what does this mean it can be kind of confusing we can kind of read it and be like huh you've so uh in verse 31 you've heard it says a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce but i say that a man who divorces his wife unless she's been unfaithful causes her to commit adultery so if she hasn't been unfaithful if she remarries this causes her to enter into adultery and anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery it seems like nope if this is the case, you can't do it. This is, this is sin. So we're like, what, do we, what do we do with this? Have you ever heard the slogan, the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it? Anybody? It's not a good one. We, we get what's being said here. I, I get it. It's just not that simple. And especially something like this. Bible says it. I believe it. It settles it. There's nuance. There's context. It's not to say that you can't say this. It's just not helpful. It usually is really hurtful. So um, in, in this teaching, so Jesus is talking about divorce. He is entering a first century context about this. He's answering questions about divorce and remarriage. You can research two prominent rabbis who died when Jesus was probably a teenager. Their names are Hillel and Shammai. They were two rabbis who were known to have authority. They spoke and they taught with authority and they had multiple disciples. And their teachings are still around. They were, just, they were rabbis with authority. And they both had a view on divorce and remarriage based upon the teachings of Torah found in Deuteronomy 24. And so one of the rabbis said this. They said, oh, because the teaching says that if, if your wife, for whatever reason, becomes unclean, she's displeasing before you, you can write her a certificate of divorce and send her away. And so they're kind of saying, what does this mean? And so one of the rabbis said, well, I mean, if she burns your toast and you're not happy with it, you can write her a certificate of divorce for any reason. If you're unhappy with her, you can write this and send her away. And, and he was like, well, this is what the scriptures say. So as a rabbi, here's what I'm saying. This, this, is, this is what I say. That was one of them. The other rabbi said, oh, wait, we can't do that. Right? Because that hurts a hard. So... That rabbi said, no, it's not because they burnt your toast or, or that, but because of unfaithfulness. And that unfaithfulness is, is bigger than just sexual immorality. There was, a, there was a marriage covenant that they made to one another. And if you broke that covenant, meaning that if you chose not to work and not to provide for your family, if you were ongoingly lazy, were cruel or harmful. There was a process to be able to enter in order to receive this. It's called a get. It's that thing to say you're released. And if you got released from the marriage, you had the freedom and the blessing to remarry. This is what Torah says. 
So Jesus is stepping into that conversation. What do you say, Jesus? And, and if you read in Jesus and Matthew, he said, oh, no, no, no. You, you, they, they asked Jesus the question, Jesus, can, can you get a divorce just for any reason? And Jesus said, no, not just for any reason. So he's saying, hey, the one rabbi has got it wrong. That's not God's intent. This actually hurts Ahad. It hurts oneness. But, but you can. For those who have been unfaithful and have hurt, yes, you can. They've broken the promise, and you do not need to remain. And, and many people have experienced this. The broken promises, the hurt, the harm. It didn't mean they had to, but there was a means to be able to enter this and engage it. This is what Jesus is stepping into. But at the end of this text, is still kind of confusing. So let me just paint a little bit more context that might help us here. This is in Deuteronomy chapter 24, and I believe that this is what Jesus is speaking to because this teaching right in here of jesus has been used to hurt a lot of people and, and maybe that's you uh, well-meaning christians who did not have a good understanding of the first century context and what was going on in jesus day have used this text to hurt others it's more complex it's more complex than jesus said it i believe it and, and there it is Deuteronomy 24, this is what Jesus is referencing, and it says this. Suppose a man marries a woman, but she does not please him. Having discovered something wrong with her, he writes a document of divorce, hands it to her, sends her away from the house. When she leaves his house, she is free to marry another man. She has that certificate, verse 3. But if the second husband also turns against her, writes a document of divorce, hands it to her, and sends her away, or if he dies... The first husband may not marry her again, for she has been defiled. That would be detestable to the Lord. Interesting, right? So what is not permissible? And Jesus is speaking to this. He's like, hey, here's what Torah says. Here's what Torah says for divorce and remarriage. If you divorce your spouse, something is found there, and they go off and they marry someone else that relationship doesn't hold or that spouse dies all of a sudden that person becomes available again you all of a sudden think huh i'm going to change my mind i'm going to go back to them and remarry them they're kind of saying uh-uh that's not acceptable that's adultery why heck if i know i don't know ask the spirit i don't but that's the teaching so when Jesus is saying, if, you, if a divorced person marries another, I believe that Jesus is referencing that teaching in 24 at the end of this. How interesting, right? In this, Jesus is pushing hard. Now, okay, what's so significant about this? I have gotten this teaching wrong before. In 2008, I became the... Uh, I, you know, I was like, uh, that's when I kind of stepped into this role within Genesis of pastor. I'd been at the church since 2000, but at the time the elders were like, hey, write papers. I want you to write about divorce and remarriage. I want you to write about LGBTQ. I want you to write about the Holy Spirit. I wrote about a whole bunch of stuff, and I wrote all this stuff to say, here I am. Here's what I think. Here's what I know of these things. Here they are. Read them so you can kind of know. So I, I wrote this. This was in 2008. And my understanding at that time from reading the scriptures and looking at Jesus for divorce and remarriage, I came to the conclusion by reading this and some others and from other good-willed Christian who said, ah, here's the way to read this. I read it as if, well, Jesus doesn't seem to be giving you any room. So I said, if you divorce your wife, except for the reasons of adultery, 
you, can, uh, you cannot remarry. And so my understanding was that if someone came to me who had been divorced and there wasn't adultery in the relationship, I would not remarry them. And so in 2009, a young woman who was a part of our community on and off of it said, hey, Bo, I'm, I'm engaged. Would you, would you marry me? So um, I sat down to talk to her, and she's like, well, let me tell you my story. I was married before. My husband was a drug addict or has major addiction issues and for the most part forsook me. We have been divorced. He has not remarried, but that relationship is done. Now I, I've, I want to step into this. Do you, now, because of my understanding, there was a couple checkboxes that didn't seem to get hit for me. There was an unfaithfulness. And so because of my understanding, I was like, I'm sorry, I can't marry you. It hurt her. And, and I knew it hurt her. Now, time passed a bit. There's something about saying something out loud that even rubs you when you say it. And you're like, hmm, it's interesting. Uh, here at Genesis, one of the things we value is that we are learners. We never know it all. We never have it all together. We're growing and we're learning and we're going to change our minds. We're going to change our minds on other things and that's okay. And it's not shameful or embarrassing. I am a bit embarrassed by what I wrote there because at some level I was like, oh man, I should have known. It's like, you can't know until someone teaches you. You can't know until someone takes you aside and says, hey, I, don't, I actually don't think that's what Jesus intended. Can I show you a way to see it differently? And I began to enter into some conversations with that, and my view began to change pretty quickly. Funny enough, too, she sent me a book. She said, Bo, I think you've got it wrong. Would you be willing to read this book? At that point, I had already kind of changed my, I was like, and um, we were conversing over email. And, and I was like, I am so sorry for, for that. I was, I was wrong. Thank you for sharing this with me. Do you see what's happening there? She valued Ahad, unity, enough in me to be like, not to then hate me, but to want to love me and to, and to want to help me. That she'd be like, hey, Mick, would you read this? I think this could, this could help. I think there's another way to see this from, and then the, then the view that you're having. I valued Ahad too because I wanted to be one with her. And so I could say, I'm sorry. You're right. I had it wrong. And she's like, good. <laughs> you know, right? Yes, good. We grow. We change our views. We change our ideas. This is not meant to embarrass us or shame us. This is the growing process. What is beautiful is restoration, not perfection. That's what Ahad is. And that's what Jesus is driving at this. He says, if you know somebody has something against you, Make it right with them, because that's what a hot is all about. Let's take this seriously. Let's engage. This is the more beautiful way. So, let's jump into some discussion. You ready for that? This is where you get to kind of share your own experiences. We get to listen to the Holy Spirit and learn from each other. Boy, I was trying to talk as fast as I can. But our goal is 20 minutes for this discussion. 
And so he'll put us at 1130, which is good. So we have some facilitators here. So if you're a facilitator, would you stand up? So and we just kind of gather around the pews. So we've got Liv, who's sitting right here. We have Taylor, who is sitting right here, who just got engaged. Hannah, congratulations, you guys. We have Bonnie, who's sitting there in the back of the green. We have Jill, who's sitting right in here with the coats and, and the stuff. We have Chris, who is sitting right in here. We have Sandra, who's up in there. We have Liz in the purple, and we have Andy in the back, in the black, and we have Nasha, who is on Zoom right now, if you're on Zoom, in order to engage in the conversation. So part of it is just kind of gather around, hear the discussion, feel free to give your insight, but learn from each other. You can disagree. You can be like, I see it differently. Awesome. Unity within diversity. That's what HOT is about. Unity within diversity of saying, oh, we're one with God and each other. So gather around, pop in, jump into these discussions. When you're done, they will dismiss you. They will send you out. Have a great conversation. Thank you.